from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Good morning. 
My name is Tony Sundermeyer, one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. Let me welcome you to this third hour of worship on the Lord's Day. It's so good to be with you uh, in this sanctuary, but also if you're streaming online, we're thankful that you have decided to be with us in worship. Uh, special welcome to those of you who are with us for the first time. We do hope and pray that you feel at home and feel connected. Uh, one of our practices here in worship throughout every uh, hour of worship we have is a time to greet each other. We're also keenly aware that it is flu season, and uh, so you have permission to just wave, bump fists, bump elbows, or just nod your head. Um, in fact, I got word uh, just a few moments ago that little Teddy Hanger, who was going to be one of our babies baptized this morning, and the Hanger family is all over here still in worship. Kudos to you all. Uh, he is not well, and so we're going to have to reschedule his baptism. So let that be a lesson as you stand up, greet each other, and welcome one another to First Presbyterian Church. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory of his name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks in the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. is going to sound a little bit like Abbott and Costello's Who's on First Act, but the Advent and Epiphany liturgical dates have been a little bit wonky this year. Epiphany Sunday technically was December 31st, but we celebrated it last Sunday on January 7th. You see, we knew many folks would be traveling this Sunday after Christmas, and because we traditionally celebrate communion on Epiphany Sunday, because Epiphany Sunday usually is the first Sunday of the new year, and because we want to have as many people as possible participate in our celebration of Epiphany and that communion service, we pushed it back one week. And we brought those texts that were uh, given to us on December 31st from the lectionary. We pushed those texts back too. So what was traditionally preached or was preached on December 31st would be preached those texts on January 7th. You follow me so far? Okay. This also meant 
that we were going to change the baptism of our Lord Sunday, the Sunday that traditionally follows Epiphany Sunday, technically was last Sunday. But because we had baptisms today, and because we had already pushed back Epiphany, we pushed back the baptism of our Lord, taking the texts that were for January the 7th and looking at them today, January the 14th. Are you still with me? Okay. Essentially, we pushed everything back a week. I had my sermon for today written by the end of Thursday. It was a focus on the baptism of Jesus. We pulled out the gospel story from Mark, the lectionary text from last week, but it's printed in your order for service this week because that was the text I was going to preach on. But then from Thursday night through Saturday morning, a series of what I have discerned to be spirit-led conversations prompted me to not only turn and read the actual lectionary text scheduled for January 14th, but to really hone in on one of those texts in particular, the gospel lesson that is part of the lectionary cycle for today. It is John 1, 43 to 51. And through prayer and discernment, I have come to the conclusion that this is the word God actually wants to speak to us today. And that this is the word God wants for us to hear. So from John, the first chapter, verses 43 through 51, if you'd like to follow along, page 87 in the New Testament. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to Nathanael, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? And and Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe this? Because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day so that we would be different people than those who came into this sacred space this morning, even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel's thoughts 
about Nazareth were certainly not original to him. Only about four miles or an hour walk from Sepphoris, a thriving Roman-run city, Nazareth lacked all that the big city had to offer. Economically, Sepphoris was where all the jobs were. It's where the main marketplace of the region was hosted, and it was the hub of commerce and trade. Culturally speaking, Sepphoris boasted of, of beautiful architecture, stately villas in which the rich lived, and it, it had a Roman theater and other cultural attractions that people from throughout the region would come and to be entertained and to enjoy themselves. Nazareth had none of that. Nazareth existed in the big city's shadow. It was a small, rural town of little significance or influence filled with a tiny number of simple farmers. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth was really an afterthought for many Jews if it was a thought at all. It has no mention in the Hebrew Bible. It, it's not talked about in the Hebrew Scriptures. From a theological perspective, there were no expectations carried by the people of Jesus' day to think that God was going to do something to bring the Messiah, the Christ, out of Nazareth to inaugurate the culmination of God's covenantal plan with the people of Israel to save the world. It wasn't going to come from this podunk town. Nathaniel's question was not original to him. The conventional wisdom of the day said that Nazareth was a whole. Upon Philip's insistence, to have Nathanael meet the one he believed to be the promised Messiah, the one who had finally put the world to rights. As Philip describes for his friend the origins of Jesus, saying that he is the son of Joseph from Nazareth, Nathanael asks, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip simply responds, Come and see. This is the first occurrence of many, detailed in John's gospel, that highlights the tension surrounding the true identity of Jesus. For John opens his gospel. This is fresh in our memories. We remember how he opens it. One of the pastors read right from the Advent candle, sitting right here, standing right here. The Christ candle is lit, and the pastor read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. In other words, Jesus' true origins are from God, because he is God. And yet, John is also particular. Jesus is also from Nazareth. Can anything good come from a hole called Nazareth? Can God grow up and come out of Nazareth? Can the font of God's salvation spring forth from Nazareth? That is what Nathaniel will have to come and see for himself. And his confession of Jesus 
as the one who comes from God, but also as the one who comes from Nazareth, will upend the conventional wisdom of the day, convention to which he himself ascribed. His confession is emblematic of the way that the gospel of Jesus Christ turns things upside down and inside out. Leo Tolstoy, the great Russian novelist, wrote about his own conversion to Christianity using this upside-down and inside-out language. He said this, When I came to faith, I ceased to desire what I previously desired, and I began to desire what I formerly did not want. What had previously seemed to me good now seemed evil, and what had seemed evil now seemed good. Some biblical scholars and Certain theologians talk about these things and these concepts under a general heading called the great reversals. The gospel reverses conventional wisdom. The gospel reverses what is expected. If you want to be great, then you must be a servant. If you want to live, then you're going to have to die. If you want to be first, then you're going to have to be last. If you want to be blessed by God, then you have to be poor in spirit. If you want to be blessed by God, you have to be mournful and meek and, and, and hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you want to be blessed by God, you have to be merciful. You have to be pure in heart. If you want to be blessed by God, you're, you're going to be a peacemaker and you're going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. God's choice to grow up and to come out of Nazareth also speaks of this great reversal. It deconstructs any xenophobic conviction the Christian might carry toward places or people they have deemed to be holes. Can anything good come out of Haiti? Can anything good come out of Africa? Can anything good come out of Iraq? Can anything good come out of Syria? Can anything good come out of Brazil? Can anything good come out of Honduras? Can anything good come out of Cuba? Can anything good come out of Jamaica? Can anything good come out of John Lewis's congressional district? Can anything good come out of Washington, D.C.? Astonishingly, the answer to every single one of these questions is yes. Yes. There is no room for the Christian. There is no room for the church to cut down or write off or give up on or marginalize or ostracize or cast off any place, any person from being the very spot where God is present. From being the very spot where God desires to usher in the kingdom. From the very place that God chooses to work. Theologian Leo Sanchez, in a reflection on this very text, once wrote about it using these words. We too are like Nathaniel. At times we are doubtful about the power of Jesus to save and transform lives among strange people and in places where we least expect it. Can anything good come out of fill in the blank? When we do so, he says, 
We see with the eyes of the flesh. We do not see Jesus at work in the most unlikely places. We are a bit suspicious or cautiously optimistic. We are no longer open to being surprised by God's power among unlikely folks and places. He continues, But when we trust in God as people called by Jesus and see life with the eyes of the Holy Spirit, the eyes of faith, we are more like Philip. We are more like Philip in our text today. We see Jesus in Nazareth. We're pleasantly surprised and can see God's salvation at work in places where at first it seemed odd and impossible to find his power and wisdom. Who are some of the Nazarenes of our time? Yes, he says, God is working even among peoples with strange accents and customs from strange places, people who do not always neatly fit into our cultural norms or congregational life, whom God has called to serve in the church to bring the gospel of life to a hurting world. Jesus is at work in modern Nazareth and is blessing the church from strange lands, bringing God's word and new life against all odds. Back in early December, I traveled to Laganov, Haiti with a team from First Press. Laganov is accessible by chartered plane. If you do that, you have to land on a single strip filled with rocks and dirts. There is a man who I believe is legally blind who comes out with a switch and moves the goats and the children off of the strip so you can land. If you don't fly, like most people, you board a public ferry. Or perhaps if you do have the means, you charter a private vessel. It's hard to get to Laganov. Based on consumption, the poverty rate in Haiti is 59%. The extreme poverty rate is 25%. Poverty is intensified on the island of Laganov. As clean water, as healthcare, as basic infrastructure are certainly subpar to Western standards. The communities and the churches that we partner with are located in the mountains. And they are accessible by unpaved rocky roads, barely passable depending on the weather. As a congregation, we have been part of a ministry partnership that for more than 20 years has worked alongside the Episcopal Church in Haiti to work in communities in Laganov, to support spiritual needs, to improve access to health care and nutrition and clean water, to support education for both children and adults, and to help stimulate the economy through a microfinance program. But friends, the ministry in Laganov is every bit as challenging, if not more so, than that barely passable, rocky, and treacherous road. Hurricane Matthew, the earthquake that took place this very week, eight years ago, three years of severe drought, the devaluation of the currency, a cholera epidemic and less than stable and oftentimes corrupt government, all have added to the challenges of ministry and life for the people of Haiti, for the people of Laganov in these past two decades. But when you go 
to Haiti. When you go to that Nazareth, or any Nazareth, when you see with the eyes of faith and not with the eyes of debased, self-centered, Machiavellian, secular worldviews, when you look instead with the eyes of faith, you quickly realize that God lives in Laganov. You see God working for good. You see God working for good in the women who are part of that microfinance program, earning a living so they can send their children to school. You see God working for good in teachers who have access only to the basics, a a chalkboard and outdated textbooks, working with little pay, pay rather, and yet they, they dig into the resources of their love and shower these children with their very best. You see God working for good when you stand in the modest and well-organized three-room home of a family whose children don't get sick nearly at the rate they used to because they now have clean drinking water. You see God working for good through the churches of Laganov at worship and is that they bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ in ways that meet spiritual and social and physical needs. You see God working for good. They're a little schoolboy and a little schoolgirl who take you by the hand and will not let you go until you see every inch of their campus. And despite your possession of a different skin color, and despite the fact that you're a minority in their nation, you know you're holding the hand of Jesus. Can anything good come out of Haiti? If you come and see, the answer will be obvious to you. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The only way you're going to find out is if we put our opinions and our assumptions and our fears and our self-righteousness and even our words aside and actually come and see. For when you do, you will meet Jesus. God's choice to come out of Nazareth says something about who God is. It says something, too, about Nazareth, doesn't it? But it also says something about who we should be. We are a people who come and see, knowing that God loves Nazareth, that God comes from Nazareth, and that God is working God's good still in Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. Amen. Amen.